Hello and welcome to A Year with the Beatles, a limited series of podcasts exploring virtually every studio album by the Beatles, month by month, more or less. My name is Graham Burke. On our inaugural show, we'll talk about the Beatles' debut album, Please Please Me, and delve into what the Beatles were like in their earliest form. And we're going to talk about their first singles with Tony Sheridan, so stick around. So this is a good old school roundtable discussion with a few twists. So joining me on this deep dive through the Beatles discography is Rob Jones, a music critic and writer of the music history blog, The Delete Bin. How's it going, Rob? It's going well. Thanks, Graham. And joining us in what will be a rotating third chair we'll have on this program every month is Bill Evenson, a Beatles fan and part of the Doctor Who podcast, The Others. Glad to have you here today, Bill. Uh, It's great to be here. Thanks. So before we begin, I want to explain why we're doing this podcast. Basically, my New Year's resolution in 2016 was to listen to all the Beatles studio albums one a month, because if you kind of slightly tweak the discography and, you know, include Magical Mystery Tour, it comes out to about one album a month for a year. And so myself my and a few friends have been doing this project already, and I thought, you know what? I want to talk about this with my friends, and what better vanity project is there than to record a discussion about <laughs> Eat Munch Record? And so here we are, gentlemen. <laughs> all right. I hope that's all right with you. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, this is a great opportunity for me to bore people about the Beatles again. Well, <laughs> I, I for one look forward to it. So with all that explained, why don't we look at January selection, Please Please Me, which is the first album the Beatles ever recorded following several chart-topping singles. It was released on March 22, 1963, and here is Please Please Me in two minutes, more or less.
well, so with all the preliminaries taken care of, let's get into the discussion of the album itself. Rob, you're a music historian, or at least you play one on TV anyway. <laughs> <laughs> where, where are we at in the Beatles with their, in their career at this point? Uh, well, at, the, at this point in their career, the, in terms of the studio, uh, they're kind of the, the act, you know, the act has come into the studio and they're being sort of directed by, by the producer. At this point in history, acts were just sort of like cattle, you know, they'd come in and they'd be basically directed to do whatever the producer and the engineer said that they should do. Um, and, and this is, uh, at this point in history, that's where the Beatles were at as well. Um, for instance, uh, when they when they first came into the uh, to the studio, um, George Martin said, "I don't like your drummer. We're going to have Andy White, who's an American session drummer, play play drums on your record." Um, so that that's that's one example of of the sort of attitude uh, that the Beatles confronted when they came into the studio for the first time. This was effectively their Cavern Club act, basically put onto a single LP. I mean, at this point in time, George Martin hadn't had much. Um, experience with uh, with rock groups at all i mean he recorded you know the goons and peter sellers and things like that and that's what he was known for which is probably why he was you know assigned the beatles because no one no 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 one really knew what to do with them and so yeah he he basically thought okay well we'll just record we just record your act uh, and that that was the that was the the starting point so, Bill, the sort of raw, let's record the act kind of quality of the album, is, is that one of the things you like about this album? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I believe other than the singles, which account for four songs on the album, the rest of it was all recorded in a day. And for me personally, you can hear it in John's voice. Uh, he famous, famously deteriorates uh, to the <laughs> point where they, can, they get one or two takes of Twist and Shout, and he's almost unrecognizable, and I just love it. His voice is almost gone. It's interesting to me because uh, it is done so kind of quick and dirty, and they're they're in and out in a day and a half. It's 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 very different than what all the rest of the Beatles albums are. Well, I think the reason for that is because it is their first album, and they were untested. You know, like later on in their career, uh, a Beatles session could be anything. You know, they there was no clock; they just basically took the clock off the wall. But at this point in time, it was very much like you know we are creating a product here. Uh, and this is the process, and there was very little variation on how that was done. What are your overall impressions of, of "Please Please Me"? Uh, it's really raw. It is you can you can hear their inexperience in some some places. The choice of material is uh, kind of all over the shop because at this point in time they were writing songs, but it was kind of like a sideline. They were still a little R and B band, you know. They were playing like Arthur Alexander, and they were playing sort of. Uh, Brill building type girl group type stuff, right? On this one and on the next one as well. So they were they were still kind of uh, feeling the space, I think, as to what kind of band they wanted to become, and that adds to its charm. It's funny because I tend to look at this album and I tend to see a lot more Lennon and McCartney in on this one than I do on on the next two. In many ways, it's 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 a very kind of it's amazing how much of their own stuff gets on it. Yeah, uh, and and it's amazing that they were at this level uh, at this early stage. Um, but again, you know, they're coming out of playing you know eight hour sessions at in in Hamburg and that type of thing. So they were tight uh, and they knew their stuff. 
you know? Yeah, that's my overriding impression listening to it is partially because of the very kind of quick and dirty version of stereo they do. You can actually just literally just take off one head, one one earbud and just listen to the music track. And it's just amazing to me how tight they are. Yeah. Um, they, they're a really solid band. Yeah, I mean, they, they had to be, you know, they had to be because they were, you know, they were a club act. Uh, they were also, you know, on the scene in Liverpool and they had other bands who were, were their rivals, you know. So and, and a lot of those guys were doing a lot of the, the same types of songs, you know. So they had to learn a bunch of different songs so that when their set came on, you know, they were playing something that was different from everybody, everybody else, you know. So they they were well honed even at this point in time. I mean, the only inexperienced part of it that I mentioned was. They'd never made a record before, really, other than the Tony Sheridan stuff, which, which we'll get to. But uh, other than that, as a band, you know, they were pros. Well, I think it's interesting you point out that there's a lot of Lennon McCartney songs on there because um, I think those are the best songs for the most part. Other than the aforementioned Twist and Shout, which is fantastic, I think my favorite songs on there are Lennon, Lennon McCartney songs. And that's really saying something for them at this point in their career when, I mean, you know... the the impression you get is that George Martin had no desire to give them to record their own songs. He wanted to give them, uh, how do you do it? I think is the name of the song. I can't That's remember right. who wrote it. Yeah. Uh, and they yeah. just refused. And, and he said, well, I'm not going to record anything until you give me something better than that. And so they did. I mean, they just rose to the challenge. What would you say then, Bill, are, are some of the standout songs then? The first song I saw her standing there is just fantastic. I mean, it, if you were buying this album just for that because it wasn't on a single, uh, it's worth it. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to say it again, but Twist and Shout as a closer. But really, you know, all of side two. I really like the title track. I really like Please Please Me a lot. I think the harmonica really works incredibly well. Um, and it just gives this kind of ethereal thing. And it, and it, and it just really, uh, yeah, I, I really, and I love the harmonies on it. But the song I really like uh, from the album is is a, is a deep cut. I, I, I never thought I would ever use the word deep cut ever. But, <laughs> I got, but, but you know, here we are in a music podcast. So my will do it uh i really like there's a place um it yeah. is such it has a, it has the most gorgeous hook yeah. I, and i and rob you're a musician you can probably explain what they did better well i think it'd be a stretch it, to call me a musician but um <laughs> well you know how the yeah i yeah I, I, I can play a little but the song has a has an interesting chord progression. It's sort of dun 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 dun, dun. And, it, and it sort of goes down when you kind of think it's going to go up. It's it's very kind of unexpected the way that song is structured. There's a place where I can go when I feel low, when I feel blue. I found the hook a hook on that. It's... Yeah, the 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 Beatles. Uh... They were. I think they were really interested in chords and just finding out what chords work together, and unexpected chords. You know, I, I, there's a lot of of that, and and it's more obvious later. But I, I think this song is a really good example of of that. Um, so is "Ask Me Why," which is one of my favorite deep cuts, Graham, <laughs> uh, on this record. "Ask Me Why" is uh, it's a love song and. And it's kind of the boy meets girl type stuff, which uh, the Beatles sort of moved away from. But that that song is just sublime in terms of its melody and and where the melody goes, and the fact that you can't you you can't always predict where where it is going to go. I can't believe it's happened to me. 
That's to me. That's good pop music. Pop music is oh, I didn't know that I would like that, but I do. Yeah. And uh, and there's there's so many moments like that on this on this record. Bill, is there another? Is there a deep cut you like on this? <laughs> if I had to go deep cut, yeah, uh, I would say my deep cut would be a taste of honey. But I mean, I understand that it's a sappy. Uh, uh, is it a show tune? I think maybe from a musical or something, but. Um, uh, Paul McCartney does that. That's he can do that, and it works for me. Something you said, Rob, about the uh, uh, lyric sensibility is is that mm-hmm. I love uh, I love the lyrics of "I saw her standing there," and I've always loved yeah. it. Well, my heart went boom when I crossed that room, and it's just it's the way that they use that. It's a very simple lyric. It's almost too simple, but it's also kind of just the way they use it as percussion. Almost, I love that. It's a punk rock lyric. It, 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 it is actually. It is. It's a punk rock lyric. It 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 has. It's sort of juvenile. Uh, and uh, normally, in any other context, that would be like you know the guy could have come up with something better than that. But this is this is a punk rock song about a young person being confronted with love or lust, probably. Um, and so the the fact that it's a bit sort of juvenile is works in its favor and that's that's one of the great things about that tune the biggest lyric in that song which is you know what i mean yeah it's true <laughs> which it's... which is the same it's the same principle at work like yeah we know what you mean but the censors don't <laughs> uh and uh but but you know that that all that aside you know that's a real visceral lyric yeah we know what you mean you don't even have to. I mean, it, it sounds like it could be a, a, a filler line, but it, it, it's packed with so much meaning. Well, I agree with your assessment of it, and I think that's exactly what, what, that's what I like the most about it. But I think it's also interesting that it was a late edition. The first edition of the song, uh, she said she was just 17, uh, something about you, she was a beauty queen. Yeah, and that's right. the other Beatles laughed at Paul for being such a cheeseball, and he came back with, you know what I mean, and it is fantastic. Yeah. Works yeah. great. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. But yeah, you're, you're no, she's no beauty queen or something like that. It's sort of a, yeah. a done, done just for, for the rhyme. But the you know what I mean rhymes, but it's, it's like its own. It's its, it's its own little world almost, you know? It, yeah, it, it really paints a picture <laughs> yeah. in a way that's uh, quite stunning. Yeah. I, now, at this point... Having listened to the songs on Please Please Me, would you think to yourself, this is a band that's going to last another seven years and revolutionize music along the way? Or or do they just sort of sound like any other band? Well, one way that that this record is, is, uh, I'm not, I I don't think it's revolutionary in any way. Like it's very of its time uh, in in, in a lot of respects. Uh, But I think in the one respect that, that it, uh, it it is it, it sort of establishes the Beatles as as being is it's a group, you know, like there's no lead singer, all lead singers, you know what I mean? Like George does some, Paul, John, Ringo gets you know on boys. He he just he just rips it up on boys, right? But all all of these all like these four guys are coming together as a band, uh, and at that time, you know, they're trying to find teen idol it was like the era of the teen idol right there so they're find, trying to find the one guy who would be out front and then you know the other guys would just back him up or whatever it was 
but on this album they they solidify that idea that this is a four-way group this is a a unit you can't break up. So that's true. You have on the, you even have on the back cover of the album, you have, you know, Paul or John with a bit of Paul. And you know, they actually, yes. They're actually yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're actually saying who, who's doing what, what's singing on it. Actually, my answer would be, uh, no. I mean, I think that's, that's what I think. One of the things I find so charming about it is I don't, I don't hear them. Be, I don't hear anything about it that leads me to think that they're going to become, uh, who they did become, which were you know masters of the studio itself, um, transcending their own genre. I don't hear that. I hear, I hear, I hear them taking the music that they love from the past or from the present, I guess, um, and making it their own. But uh, yeah, I don't really hear that they're gonna. My my history with the Beatles was that I used to just listen to the late Beatles. And when I say used to, I'm talking about 20 years ago, uh, I I discovered the early Beatles. And uh, before that, I just thought it it just all sounded very of its time, whereas later they become transcendent. And the early Beatles is rock is just a standard rock band to me. But they're fantastic. As you say, they're very tight and they're, you know, they're. Uh, harmonies and that kind of stuff. The the mechanics of it are very tight, and <laughs> I love it. But I don't I don't hear what it's going to become. It's funny because I because I, I kind of tend to agree with you, Bill. But I think also that there are moments. I think there's moments. You know, in that in that chord structure, I was marveling about on there's a place. Uh, you know, there's there's moments where I think these guys you know, have a, a sensibility which is just a little bit above sort of popular beat combos yeah. <laughs> of, of 1963. I, 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 you can sort of see, and it's funny because the uh, the album notes, the original album notes from 63 actually, you know, talk about, you know, oh, wow, and they're singing with each other. You know, they're singing with themselves on overdubs. And, you know, so they're starting to sort of, even when the little, you know, day or so they had to go record this they're 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 sort of playing a bit with some stuff and you can sort of see george martin kind of twigging that these guys are actually a maybe maybe a bit better than the sort of you know boy group that he thought he was saddled with i really think it would have been really hard for anyone to tell uh whether or not this this band was going to be as revolutionary as they they were because they were swimming in a different sea at that time uh in history you know like a lot of stuff just wasn't expected of bands like that um you know there's that story about uh the beatles being rejected by you know decca and all that kind of stuff but really that uh, it it, the environment that they were in at that time just didn't allow for people to actually look for the things that were there in the music at the time like i was mentioning uh ask me why and and graham you were mentioning about uh the chords and there's a place and all that kind of stuff um, we, we know to look for that stuff and we know to listen for it. Um, and be, because we're in a different paradigm. Mm. So in, in some ways, you know, that stuff was just there waiting. Uh, it was there waiting for, for people to discover it. And I think one of the greatest things about the Beatles music is, uh, that it is very, uh, um, it lends itself to be revisited uh, by various people of various generations, you know, uh, there, there's something to be said for that, but, you know, at the time, at, to, to Bill's point at the time, it would have been extremely difficult to really, 
know what what uh, you know what the potential was just because the vocabulary for that type of thing just hadn't been built yet. I mean, that's the whole that's the, the that's the whole deal with the Beatles, right? They helped to build that vocabulary. Well, I think that's a good place to leave off our discussion on Please Please Me. If you, the listener, have anything else you'd like to say about it, you can send us an email at beatles at gemgeekerrarebook.com, and we'll eventually have a website for this all, too. Uh, finally, uh, every episode, we're going to have what we call extra credit homework, where we listen or watch to some Beatles material that complements the album we're listening to. And this month, we've been listening to this. That's right. This month, we listened to the Beatles' first singles, which they recorded with singer Tony Sheridan in Hamburg in late 1961 and was released in early 1962 and led to Brian Epstein picking them up as a band. So, Rob, what did you make of Tony Sheridan and the Beat Brothers, as they call themselves for this album? It, it, uh, it was, it's generic rock music. It was, it was aimed at the German market. At that time, I mean, that's the reason why the Beatles went to Hamburg in the first place, because all these German promoters wanted... Um, English singers, uh, that is, singers who could speak English um, and as a first language to come and play rock and roll music for, you know, for their patrons, right? So these singles to re really are just kind of an extension of that. But it's My Bonnie, too. I mean, the reason they recorded that song is because German people know that song. You know what I that, that, that is That's as far as it, as it really went. So it was in in some ways, it wasn't meant to be this sort of artistic statement at all. It's just it's it's literally just a bit of fun that they wanted to make a record so they could sell records to, you know, to their to the German market. And that's that's really what it is. So, Bill, uh, what do you think Brian Epstein, saw, who was running his father's furniture store stroke record shop, saw in this band when he heard those songs? Uh, I'm tempted to say uh, they're trousers, but I think that's from the Ruddles. <laughs> that is from the Ruddles. Yeah, that's from the Ruddles. So he went out and bought all the copies to make it chart is how the story goes, right? But, I mean, personally, I, I'm i a bit of a bootleg collector of the Beatles. And so it, it's, it's, it's a Beatles song to me. It's part of what I listen to when I listen to the Beatles. And when I hear it, I, it's a good song. It's well produced. And the Beatles do a good job as a backup band. Um, and I mean, it's sort of amazing to think that you could have the Beatles be your backup band. I guess that's what I think about when I'm listening to it. Like this guy's not bad and his backup yeah. band is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
it's great it's it i mean that's what i kind of grabbed off of it is that it, 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 it it's it, it's interesting because the sound is very much of its era it's that sort of dump clap 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 you know kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of rhythm to it it's yeah. it's very, it feels like something from 1961 it doesn't yeah it's, it, it's made it's to get up like and that. dance to and 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 that's that's what it's for you know um yeah. and and to bill's point i mean they are tight and that's the whole thing that we were talking about earlier uh, and that is that the Beatles were just a very, very good band that, you know, and you come away with just that one thing and, and that, that makes it worth it. Oh, I think that's a good note to close on. Well, that's it for us. We'll be back sooner than you think for a discussion of the Beatles' second album with the Beatles. That's next time on A Year with the Beatles. In the meantime, thank you, Rob Jones and Bill Evenson. All right. Thanks, Graham. Thanks, Graham. Thanks, Rob. I'm Graham Burke. We'll see you next time.